Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Okay, good morning, everybody. Good morning at home. Good morning to the team that is here today. Um, if you are new or don't know, my name is Ryan Longnecker, and I'm the teaching pastor um, here at LBCF. For quite some time, I was the graphics designer. I still do a lot of that as well, but um, I wanted to make sure that uh, you have been in introduced to me. Barb, who was up here, um, takes care of families and soul care. If you've seen Pastor Danny, he is our community pastor. And as a team, we are leading up a triad of leadership because we believe that the future of the church is not a CEO model. It is something where we spread the leadership out and that we are all saints who who hear the spirit of God to lead us into what the church is supposed to move forward in. We think that there is health there, and there's a lot of complexity there, and there's a lot of things that we are unpacking, and so we just thank you for joining us at LBCF as we uh, learn how to do that well. I'm also a part of a teaching team. It's something that I was a part of, and now I lead it up. We have amazing people in our community who teach, and so this may be your first week hearing me, um, but last week, my good friend Rob taught, and then the week before that, Steve, and there's a lot of other amazing people on our teaching team, and so if you hear a rotating uh, group that's intentional, that's something that we like to do, is employ the teaching gifts of the people in our community. Um, A little bit about me, I went to college for music. I actually have my undergrad degree in music uh, ministry, and I thought for a long time that I was going to be doing what Jason did this morning, and thank God it's Jason and not me up there. Um, So much better than me at that, and we are so blessed to have him. And then from there, my passion for pastoring and for teaching Uh, really grew, and I ended up going to seminary at Fuller, and I got my degree in theology there with an emphasis in biblical studies. And so that, for me, is something that, that's my passion, is studying the Bible, knowing how to apply it, knowing how to read it well, because I have been convinced ever since I first came to know Jesus that when we read his Bible, when when we read the word well, that it actually transforms us and that it shapes us. And so many of the complications that I see happening within the church and something that we'll be talking about today, that the flock in so many ways has been scattered. The flock has been attacked in so many ways. I think that one of the ways that we overcome that is by reading the word well, that we know how to read the Bible. And my passion is that LBCF would be shepherded by Jesus. That LBCF, despite how many amazing teachings might come out of this place from the variety of teachers we have, regardless of all of that, I am a walking contradiction. I know that I'm not the one we should be following. Our our hope at this church is that we would be shepherded by Jesus. 
And we are in this series now where we are coming from Easter leading to Pentecost. And there's this period in between where Jesus spent some time with his people. And very often once once Easter is over, we tend to kind of move on to the next thing and, and we go, okay, he's resurrected. That's great. Let's, let's party. And there's a lot of teaching that happened in that time. And there are specific readings that happen all around the world between Easter and Pentecost that I wanted to make sure that we participated in. And that's what we are reading today. Um, it's, it's important to know that um, in, in sort of addressing us as a community and just stating the obvious, LBCF has changed. Things are different. I'm looking at a sea of empty seats. <laughs> That's strange. It's weird to be here and to not have half of you looking at your cell phones right now while I'm teaching. I'm not used to it. Our world is different. I know that there are some things which feel like they are a lot of the same. When I tell my grandparents about all of the complexities that are happening in my life, they look at me like, yeah, that's what happens in life. <laughs> things get complicated. So some things are the same, but I think it's pretty fair to say the world that we are in in the last year and a half has changed, is different. And we have to know that Jesus was both immediately present with his changing world. He was present with people who were hurting now. He traveled to places who were hurting now. But he was also very anchored in something much larger than that. He would show up to weddings, healings, and meals. And he would be present with people in a way that was life-altering. But he also anchored himself to a place where he would often withdraw to lonely places to pray because he knew that there was something great about being anchored into something eternal. The Bible gives us teaching to do both, to be very present with what's happening now and to respond to the changes of our real world and to understand that our world has changed, but to be anchored in something larger. Proverbs 26.4 says, don't answer a fool. And then in the very next breath, it says, answer a fool. The Bible says to not be angry, but it also says that there is room for righteous anger. And I, I know that I've said this before, but all of my anger feels like righteous anger. And so I know that the Bible says that there is room to be present and anchored. And how do we know how to do that well? The world is selling us a way of being together when everything is in competition. It's this versus that. Your view versus my view. This or that. Whether we're talking about masks or vaccines or politics or justice, morality. Which team are you on? And the world is telling us we have to choose one or the other. The world is saying we have a lot of false shepherds, bad shepherds coming in and saying, you have to pick. You have to pick which team you're on. You have to pick which viewpoint you will stand up for. And the reality is, I just say, no, I don't. 
Jesus says that there's wisdom that we follow and that we listen to. And today I want to talk about how we do that because I was spending some time with uh, Matt Colin and we were talking about how the pulpit can really be blessed by us not coming in and just getting things off of our chest, right? Because it's tempting to have a microphone and to have people at home and to be able to make a point. But I need to make sure that whatever we are talking about is us following that shepherding voice of Jesus. So we will need help to get unstuck from this pattern. And we'll need to be honest with ourselves where and how we've stopped pursuing Christ as our shepherd. And if you're stuck in that place where you're trying to find out how do, how do I navigate this world that's telling me to pick teams, if you feel stuck, there's a video that I wanted to play for you right now. So Andrew, could you show that? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. So, even if you're laughing right now, and some of you may have seen that because it was floating around the internet and I thought it was perfect, but there's a part of us, all of us, that goes, yeah. I've been there. I've done that. Or at least I have. I can't speak for everybody here. I should know better not to get airport food and a lot of coffee before I get onto a flight. I should know that by now. But I make that same mistake. I should know better to not buy home gym equipment. Like, I, I'm smarter than that. Or on a more serious note, when I've made the same mistake or I've committed to being different internally and I've violated that consciousness inside my own heart over and over again, I've made that mistake. When I've been a bad friend or dad or husband in the same ways over and over again, I've made those same mistakes. And in the same way, I've, I've needed to be rescued out of that same ditch that I've hopped into over and over Today, let's read John 10, verses 11 through 18. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one Shepherd, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So, multiple times there, Jesus makes sure to highlight that he is the good shepherd. 
that we understand him as good is important. And it says that he lays down his life for the sheep. And the word for life there is not zoe or bios, which is that physical life. The word that's being used there is suke, the soul. He lays down his soul for the sheep. Now, as a parent, um, I know that the kind of parent I long to be is one who would lay down his soul for his kids. That's the showing up every day, kind of laying my life down. That's watching another episode of Zoomy Zoomy or whatever the crazy cartoon that's, that's happening for this month where it's over and over again. Laying down my soul might just mean being present with this thing that is annoying me. Being present means that I show up day in and day out. And I lay my life down by taking myself on. It almost takes less work to take a bullet for someone and stand in front of it because that's something that's immediate and quick. Somebody can make that snap choice. The word here for laying down his life for his sheep, suke, the soul. Jesus lays down his soul for his sheep. Now, he, he also said to notice the hired hand, the one who comes in to lead, does not care for the sheep. But Jesus says he cares for the sheep because we are his. And I think that that might sound obvious, but we have to understand that Jesus saying, is, is saying, I care for you because you're mine. I actually have skin in the game because you are my sheep. You are my flock. And if we go back to what Steve taught two weeks ago, the, rest, the restoration of Peter, when he's talking to Peter and he says, do you love me? And he says, care 10 for my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. I want to make sure that we understand here that we are the flock. I'm not the shepherd here. We are all the flock. At no point in when Jesus was talking to Peter does he say, you become the shepherd. He says, no, I'm the shepherd. Care for my flock, the flock that you're in. The flock that you are in, love and take care of and feed that flock. Because it's important to know that there are a lot of people that are looking for allegiance right now. There's a lot of shepherds out there that want to grab your allegiance right now. And one of the key telling things is whether or not that is Christ or not is when the sheep are scattered, does that person, do those people care? When something has come into our community that splits us apart, what have you followed that hasn't cared about that? Because Jesus cares about that. The good shepherd cares about that. We are not the shepherd. We follow the good shepherd that is Christ. One of the great things, one of the most reassuring, comforting things that I've ever read is right here where it says, he knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. He knows his flock and the flock know his voice. He knows his flock, which means we can release judgment, right? 
Jesus knows who's his. Jesus knows. And honestly, no matter how things look or how holy anyone is, we don't know. We don't know just because a person's employed by the church, whether or not they're a part of the flock, because we're not supposed to know, because it's not our business. We don't know if somebody's lived a life that looks sinful and horrible, whether or not they know the voice of the shepherd. Jesus knows. And he's given us, yes, he has shown us ways to, to use wisdom and discernment to be careful of people that would come into the community and hurt things, of course. And there are ways to know whether or not we are following Christ. We are called to look at those, of course. But it's, it seems to say that Christ knows who is his and that our job, our main emphasis, our main focus is to look at whether or not we know his voice because it seems to me right now like the future of the church is dependent on whether or not the people will listen to his voice or not. Because however the shape of the church looks is irrelevant. Whether we meet in a building or a patio or a backyard or a pub, it doesn't matter. Because the people who are there, what will determine whether we are the flock or not is whether we hear his voice and follow it or not. So, he knows his sheep. We can release judgment in this concern of determining who's in or, who's in or out. God knows. He'll handle that. And thank God he's made room to make room for forgiveness of sins like mine because my job in that equation is to focus on my sin, my planks, in my eyes, not anyone else's. Let him handle who's in and who's out. And then he says, I have sheep who are not of this pen. Okay, this is going to sound in a world where we've talked a lot about race in the last year. You can't get away from what he's talking about here. God is not ethnocentric. He's saying, I have sheep who are not of this flock. When you consider yourself a part of the in crowd, and there are people who are on the out crowd, God says, I loop those people in. I heard a sermon once that left a, uh, that there are certain phrases that have been seared into my mind. And one I heard that says, us is bigger than you think. Us is bigger than you think. There's going to be people at that final dinner table where we share a meal, and you'll be surprised they're there. I hope I'm surprised they're there. I hope God's loving, forgiving wisdom is better than mine. I hope so. Jesus made it a point to affirm women, the faith of Roman soldiers, children, the weak, servants. And he took to task men. He took to task the unhospitable. He took to task the ethnic Jews. He took to task the communities that left people out. He took to task masters, the powerful and the pious. Jesus here is saying, you have to trust 
that, that the sheep I am bringing in, that that is good news for everybody. And if it's not good news for everybody, we have to really take into account who are you, who am I okay with the good news being bad news? Who am I okay with saying it's good news for me and bad news for you? Now let's get back to that part that we have something to do about. The sheep know his voice. And there's a lot of hired hands that we put our trust in. That when the sheep have scattered, one of the, one of the most heartbreaking things that I've experienced in the past year has been some of the hardest things I've seen in my life. And that's that friends and family have just given the middle finger to each other and said, I'm cutting you off. And I know why. I know why. And for some people, it's to protect their health. For some people, they've had to make really tough choices. But it breaks my heart that we have chosen to be ambivalent about the, sh- about the flock scattering Because I believe that breaks Jesus' heart. Because we are his flock. So how do we do this? How do we know? How do we follow the voice of Jesus? At a time where so many people want to grab our loyalty and say, you've got to pick a team. One, we discern the voice of the Lord in community. That's one of the things that I got most, more than anything from my Bible study, is that the Bible was written to communities of people, intended to decipher what it means to walk this out in community. That when we, when we move away from each other and we, and we handle it on our own or we don't trust anybody, so we leave everybody out, and we don't decipher these things in community, very often we just come back believing the same thing we've always believed. We discern the voice of the Lord in prayer. Now, one of the saddest statistics that I heard while I was going to school was that the number one thing that pastors say that they struggle with is a constant prayer life. Pastors, these people who I think a lot of people assume that teaching pastors or lead pastors, executive pastors, that they're the shepherds, right? We are following them. They're the ones who listen to God for us, and we just kind of show up on Sunday mornings and drink the coffee. Like, that's what we do. It's saying that pastors, one of the things they struggled most with is their prayer life. As a church, we're not going to be able to discern what the Lord is doing with us if we are not in prayer. Sit in prayer every day. Ask the Lord, what would you have me do right now at a time where things are really confusing? In this community, in my family, in my job, with my health, if we're not in prayer, we're just making it up. We need to make time to listen, to sit with God, because if Jesus needed to withdraw to lonely places to pray, Jesus... We need to. Like, Jesus didn't get a pass from needing to withdraw to lonely places to pray. And we discern the voice of the Lord in patience, in community, in prayer, and in patience. And 
those are three things that feel like they are desperately lacking. At least from what I've seen, people are making choices like this. The world is changing rapidly, and it's hard to know how do we anchor ourselves to be patient. When we've been split up and we're on Zoom screens with each other all the time, how can we be in community? How do we pray when we're spending more time panicking? Community, prayer, and patience. John 14, 16 says that we will receive the Spirit to instruct us. Hebrews 4.12, it says that the Word would divide what is right and true in us. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that Scripture is good for many things to prepare us for good works. And as we read, Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. If we are not spending time to, trans- to offer up our mind to be transformed, we cannot pretend to hear the voice of our shepherd. When we're talking about really tough things as a community, our job, all of us as a flock, is to make sure our ears are tuned to the shepherd. And if what you hear doesn't sound like we're tuning our ear to the shepherd, then speak up. I want to be a part of a community that regardless of how hard it is, our, vo- our ears are tuned to the voice of our shepherd. Because the shepherd might be taking us into some places that are dark and scary. But the closer that we follow him, And the closer that we trust that he knows where he's taking us, the more that we can be reassured that Jesus has got us. How many times has he shown up for you, for us as a community, to be able to trust and say, we're following him, as scary as that might be. And I really believe that what we are doing at LBCF is trying to follow the voice of the shepherd as close as possible. And if you don't think that, Bring your Bible to me and let's talk about it. Because that's what I want to do. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And that's what I'm committed to as the teaching pastor is that we would be so committed to the Bible that, that we would be transformed, that we would allow it to, to hurt, uh, to inf- impact us. Because I'm just like that sheep every single day. That's not something that happens occasionally. Making the same mistake I've made before is not like a, oh, yeah, I remember in 2006 I made that one mistake. It's like, no, at like 8 o'clock this morning. Like, God's grace covers me every day for the mistakes that I make, and we need that, and we need to trust that he is the good shepherd. And one of the ways that we remember that, one of the ways that we participate in that is communion. Communion is a practice where we remember that our good shepherd who laid down his life for us and it's a commun- communion is a symbol that we are joining with that life. That that life with him is so inseparable that it's a part of us, that we take it in. Communion is not just a reminder of what to be grateful for. It's a reminder of the life we're called to. That we are called to that Christ form, that cruciform, cross form life where we lay down our lives for each other. 
knowing that Jesus did that long before. And we follow that, that we lay down our lives for each other, that we listen to his voice and we trust him to take care of the rest, knowing that he understands who his sheep are and that his sheep would make passionate choices to figure out what is his voice. So as we transition to communion now, would you pray? Lord, would we know your voice at all costs, whatever it takes? Because there's a lot of loud voices out there. There's a lot of people that are not concerned as the flock gets scattered. There's a lot of people out there who are taking off and leaving the flock as things get tough. Leaders who are letting us down in the world, Lord, would we understand and follow your voice closely? Thank you that you have shown up, Lord. Guide us in communion. Guide us as a church. Would we know your voice well? In Jesus' name, amen.